Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. My name is Steve King. Alongside me is Matt Luloyan, and Matt, alongside us... Yeah. Virtually, not physically, is mm-hmm. Evan Curry, pastor at Liberty Northeast. Evan, welcome also to Liberty B-Side Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Uh, Evan, you preached yesterday here at Liberty Harrisburg, and so our B-Side, you are now a guest on the podcast this week. Um, thanks for joining us. And Steve, interesting, interesting little tidbit, too. I, I thought about this yesterday, but forgot to say it yesterday. Okay. Um, I, I think, I, I this is my memory. Evan, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I have a memory of you preaching at the Elks Lodge back in the day. I remember this. But then like driving over to this space before it had been retrofitted for, I think you like came over and hung out while we were like exploring this space at 515 South 32nd Street. Um, so I think you were there like really early when we were like, we brought a team of people over that day after church and like you jumped in and, and checked huh. it out. Is that, do you, is that right? Or did I just make that up in my head? No, that, that's right. Yeah. We, uh, I'd come and I preached and you were like, Hey, I don't know if this would be helpful or if you want to do this, but we're looking at this space. And I was like, yeah, like I would love to take a look at it. And so, yeah, it was, I, I do remember it. I remember what it looked like before you retrofitted it. And, uh, it, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was an exciting time. Like it was, it was really cool. And as a future church planner, it gave me some excitement at the time of the future church planner, it gave me some excitement as to, just a reminder, like sometimes at the beginning of church planning, you're like slugging it out, you know, <clears throat> pipe and drape in the yeah. Elks Lodge, but you know, it might not yeah. be forever. So yeah, that's been our, our story and it's uh, your story as, as well. So um, it's nice to set things up and leave them and then come back the next week and they're still there. It's very nice. It's really nice. We've had like five years of that. We've really appreciated it. Sometimes we miss the Elk Heads. Not all the time. Sometimes they made us feel a little bit like a cult, but, you know, we rolled with it. Is it elk and, heads or is it elk head? Oh, like multiple? Yeah. Because elk is plural for elk. I guess that's, yeah. It's definitely not, well, I think it is, I think it's the Elks Lodge. I think it has actually called the Elks with an S at the so end. So elk, Elks is plural of elk. Steve, if you don't clean up your act right now, I'm going to call... <laughs> Evan, this is the hard-hitting yeah. stuff of the Liberty B-Side the- podcast. Welcome <laughs> to the show. I'm going to call I the most exalted a, I ruler. I think it's possessive apostrophe S. Is it a... I think the so. Elks, like, the like, Elks the elk own this lodge. I think maybe, maybe, we, uh, maybe it's possessive. We are in hunter territory, and we're going to have probably more people respond to this... This part will of the be, conversation. We'll devote a whole special episode next week to honestly. Like we this. could just we could go off tangent. Yeah. We could say something completely wrong theologically, and, and this will care. be the comment. <laughs> this will be what we hear most about. Right. The, so. yeah, the, the grammar, the grammar of it all. Yes. Evan, Evan, just for for anyone. So you're Liberty Northeast in the Liberty Communion. Just as our people continue to always uh, be not just learning about Liberty Communion, they, they know a lot about it already, but just understanding, learning more about. And praying for the people that are in the communion. Go, go back. Take us back to when that happened. When you preached at Liberty at the Elks Lodge, and then you came over here. You weren't yet leading your own church. Is that right? Kind of give us a, a reminder of where you were at in your pastoral journey at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So I had helped plant a church before, um, back in the day, like two thousand and eight, nine. 
uh, north of Philadelphia in a town called Bristol. And I did it for about three years. And um, in after that, my uh, after those three years, I had to believe in because my mom was passed away from cancer. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to our home church and spent, you know, the last month, couple months uh, with her and uh, yeah. worshiping with her. And that was a special thing. And I got connected there, did some like adult Sunday school Bible study stuff with, for that church. And that was really nice, but it felt the Lord calling me to church plant. And so I joined up with the Liberty Community of Churches and uh, jumped in with Liberty River Wards. And I did that for a couple of years. And so I think that was the time I was, I was a resident at Liberty River Wards when I jumped in with you guys to preach. Um, I believe I had to preach on hell if, I, if I'm correct. We, just, might be we gave you something easy. Okay. All we right. just love throwing yeah, hard yeah, topics at you. I, like hell, money. Yeah. All the, all the light stuff. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's good. I, Matt actually told me, you know, I said, Hey man, like, uh, it's kind of like a heavy topic to be a guest preacher on to talk about hell. <laughs> and he was like, Hey man, like part of like being a preacher is you got to sometimes preach this stuff that hell you money comfortable with. Next time you come, I don't know if you heard this, you're preaching on the Trinity. So just so you can yeah. give us a full understanding of how that works. That's that'd be it. great. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah fortunately I've ironed it out uh, perfectly. Uh, I've got great analogies and, um, nothing can go wrong. <laughs> nothing. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Right. That's great. Well, that uh, so you were a resident in the Liberty Communion. I think our community is going to be would hear that. Well, we have a resident soon starting. And a week, so we're, a week from today. Yeah, part of just continue. You know, it's a great example. Evan, then you're you're kind of the the walking flesh and blood example of people that come up through a through a network of churches, through a community of churches, become a resident, then go lead a church. And that's what we envision in the community that all of our churches are able to do someday and be experiencing. So we love seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, let's jump in. Yeah. Uh, maybe, Evan, give us the 90-second summary of what you preached on yesterday. Just kind of catch anybody up to speed on the sermon, kind of, the, and then we'll, we'll jump in a little bit and comment on a little bit. Sure. So, I mean, yesterday we had an opportunity to look at Luke chapter 16, uh, the rich man and Lazarus parable Jesus tells there. We took took a look at generosity in that passage and, and what the Bible tells us about money, uh, particularly using that passage as a springboard to kind of talk about a general understanding through the rest of the New Testament and the Bible and even the Old Testament a little bit. And we really got a chance to look at that. Um, God really cares how we use our resources, and there's great opportunity for us to use our resources to uh, make a difference for the kingdom. But also generally it reverses the way we typically look at things in this life. Uh, And it also reveals that we get what we always wanted. And that's kind of the way we generally approach it was through God's economy, God's plan or his administration. And there's ways we use our money within that. And so there's a lot of things, teaching points, things we can learn from that passage. Uh, and, but ultimately like Jesus wants us to be free uh, and hmm. being generous actually frees us in ways that um, being stingy can't. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. As an appreciator of the alliteration, as, as many people know here at Liberty Harrisburg, <laughs> all too well, all too well, all too well. I, I appreciated the, the triple R uh, that played out there, the resources, the reversal and what and reveals there's like the resources that change the way we use money reverses the way we see and interact with people and things and reveals what we really want from this life. I thought it was like, that was, that was a great framework. And um, yeah, 
Appreciate appreciated that. Appreciated your challenges, your examples and illustrations. I thought there was a lot of really uh, helpful stuff in there. One, one thing I wanted to ask was, um, it's not typical that you would look at the rich man and Lazarus passage for anybody who's familiar with it and automatically go to generosity. So normally you kind of maybe think about the afterlife or heaven and hell. It's one of the passages you might look at for, for that. Um, but I think it worked for generosity. So just curious how, as you were like getting ready to preach on generosity and, and wrestling through different texts you could use, how did you um, land on the rich man and Lazarus for that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely true that it generally is looked at in terms of figuring out maybe theology of the afterlife. The challenge with using that, a parable for the, to create a theology of the afterlife, it's almost, you know, um, it can go sideways. Sure. And I think when you look at the context of what Jesus is doing in Luke 16, he's really um, hitting hard on money. That's why and, you know, I mentioned Luke 16, 14, where, Jesus, where Luke tells us the Pharisees were lovers of money. And I think that's, you know, when you look at the context of what Jesus is doing, he's really uh, spends a lot of time in Luke 16 talking about money. He talks about the law and the kingdom of God. He talks about divorce and remarriage kind of briefly, but yeah. the two kind of main parables are about money. And it seems that, um, yeah, Jesus knows the hearts of the Pharisees and knows that they don't want to uh, do what God has asked them to do with their finances and they're ridiculing him. And so it just made sense to me when I read the passage in context, yeah. which is an important thing to do. Right. And that's I've heard that's, what we I've do. heard that's an important thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah step right. one. So it, it, <laughs> right. You know, step one in biblical interpretation for anybody who's listening is, yeah, definitely read it in context. It's easy to rip things, you know, rip that parable from its context and go, okay, here's a theology of the afterlife. Yeah. Um, but when you like dive into the context, it seems more that Jesus is really challenging uh, the way we use our resources and helping the people understand who are listening that there's going to be this like great reversal. And that's a big theme in Luke, you yeah. know, that yeah. uh, Jesus, you know, this master throws a banquet, he invites all his friends, his, all of his friends decline. And so the master's like, all right, let's go and fight, you know, everybody else and people mm-hmm. on the, the highways and hedges and bring them in. And then, you know, uh, he says that his friends are no longer invited. Uh, yeah. So, you know, it might see like the people of Israel who have rejected Jesus, you know, here the master is throwing a party and you don't want to come. Yeah. And uh, so we're going to invite the Gentiles we're going to invite the poor, uh, yeah. the lame, uh, the hurting and suffering. And so what I think he's doing particularly here in Luke chapter 19, if we, we spend more time in the context is he's really trying to get us uh, to understand, like, don't basically like, don't assume that because you have been blessed by earth with earthly things that this is what it's going to look like in the afterlife. And I think that's probably the Pharisees are, they're probably, you know, doing all right financially. Yeah. And they have to be challenged that like, it might look good here, but it, it may not look so, you might not be so happy with the results in the next life. Hmm. It's good, man. I, it's actually, man, I mean, coincidental, I'd say providential. Um, so we're doing as a church, a lot of us, I think it's like 75 people in our church are doing a read through the new Testament in a year plan. And today's text, Luke 16, true story. So first parable. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for the, thanks for the, the nod yesterday, by the way, too. the dishonest manager is like that first parable in Luke 16. So people might actually take you up on that and be texting later today and asking what the heck's going on in that one. 
Um, but it was yeah, that one that one's really uh, that one's confusing. Yeah. Um, and I've heard different interpretations. And yeah, I, I think I'm trying to encourage people with, with that was like, you know, like you don't always have to understand everything in the Bible to trust it. Sure. You know, and so to trust that this is God's word that uh, that it is inspired, and there's there's something to be learned from here. And also to rely on other people, you know, I picked, picked on Matt saying, you know, you could text Matt, but, you know, rely on, you know, look at commentaries. Um, right. One I always recommend to people is uh, Faith Life Study Bible. Mm. You know, you can yeah. download the app yeah. and just like take, it will give you, you know, just kind of a quick commentary and just like line by line. Yeah. And it's, it's really helpful for, and I do it in my own personal study as well. When I read my Bible in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I'm praying. If I don't understand something, I just flip over that and go, oh, okay, like this helps clear it up. And sometimes I have more questions and I keep digging. And so Matt's a great resource. I'm sure, Steve, you'd be a great resource as well. Uh, but there's there are great resources out there for people to, to study scripture by themselves. Yeah, yeah. no, it's good, man. And, uh, and yeah, and, and what you said about context is so, I think that's easily glossed over, but so important that that verse 14, it is about, he's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking about, we would say the same thing about, uh, Luke 15, which is where you get the parable of the prodigal son and all the, and, and like that whole idea of it, there's like lostness. And then you even talked about lostness yesterday. So, that, I mean, those, right, those right. key setups of like who he's talking to and when Jesus, who Jesus is talking to when he tells his parables, why he's telling them, it's mm-hmm. often like right there. Luke doesn't make us guess as to the context. And it's, and then we just, right, 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 read right. It in light of that. So that, I mean, in light of that, it does, it does make a ton. Of, and I thought that you did that well yesterday. It makes a ton of sense as a, um, a parable about generosity, about yeah. money and wealth. Yeah, there's a couple of those, like you said in Luke 15, then 16, generosity is just undergirding all of that. Right. You could almost, you could imagine, okay, if this person in, in, the, in the, the character of the parable in 15, 16, all these characters, if they were generous and faithfully generous, they would not run into as much of the example they are for falling short of sure. what God's called them to, sure. right? So undergirding a lot of what they're experiencing is a lack of generosity. Yeah. Doesn't mean yeah. that they can't be examples for some other things too, but like generosity sure. is certainly there to be found. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think like one thing we encourage people in the Northeast is like, um, keep, keep reading scripture, keep reading the passages you read before. Because sometimes, you know, like uh, you'll read the rich man Lazarus and the Holy Spirit will reveal a, a different theme. Hmm. Um, it might hit you differently the next time around. Um, so maybe next time I preach on this passage, uh, some time from now, I might actually like, it might hit me differently. And, uh, but I think there's this, this really like when you enter the story here, it's a really sad moment that this man has so much and he passes by mm-hmm. every day, this man who's like the richest in God's economy. And, and yeah. so, uh, he passes by Lazarus and it's just, it's just kind of a, it's a sad story. And it, it kind of hit me in the heart of like my own generosity. And it, it probably doesn't help when you're reading the passage and you're like looking at, you know, I think recently been looking like at my budget and asking myself, am I being generous? And, you know, the Lord kind of in my own reading in my own study brings me a passage like that. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like I'm definitely, I can definitely be the rich man if like, if it wasn't for Jesus. Yeah. So Yeah. It's good. A couple questions came in. Yeah, I thought maybe we would do like the practical one first and then kind of come back to come back to like at the end, kind of a a theological one that's a little bit tangential, but kind of prompted from from some of the stuff you were saying the other day. So, um, 
You yeah, that, yeah that's, a good, that's a good order. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. So the you 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 use an example yesterday. Spoke to uh, maybe the, the intersection example, right? You drive up to a stoplight, whereas maybe most people are prone to look at their phone. You kind of gave the example of if there's someone there begging on the side of the road. Well, in that moment, we don't find ourselves going into our unconscious phone looking or radio adjusting. It's more of the panicked ten and two hands on the wheel. <laughs> please don't make eye contact with me. Um, and so you kind of just like, maybe speak to speak to the um, what that tells us about our heart in that moment. But then the question maybe is, uh, as much as we are commanded, give without expecting anything in return. How do we do that well? Like how do we give in those moments and not expect anything in return and follow out of obedience and even make that joyful obedience? How do we discern at times where we shouldn't give or why we shouldn't give? And find wisdom in any of those moments to go, like, well, giving isn't automatically the right thing. It oftentimes can be. But how do we discern that if we need to? Yeah. So the first part of your question related to, like, what goes on in our hearts there. Um, can't speak for everyone, but I was trying to speak for myself. You know, I work really hard, you know, at the, you know, I work really hard at my job. Um, I work really hard to care for my family financially. Um, my wife works really hard to care for our family financially. And so when you work hard and you, uh, aren't like you, most of us are probably more like middle-class you're, there is a sense of like, what is mine is mine. Hmm. And, um, at least I can speak to that for myself. They're like, what is, what I've have earned is mine. Hmm. And, what I had to do in my own heart was to begin to realize like what I have has been given to me and it's not really mine. And I think like you learn those lessons through scripture. As I mentioned yesterday, you learned that through like COVID, like um, life is a gift itself, but so is like the things that we receive in this life. Um, I have known a number of people who've, who've lost jobs over the pandemic, um, who've been hit financially, uh, who are still struggling uh, at, at our church and you know so like there's i had this kind of switch the gears in my heart hmm. that like what i've been given has been given to me and the fact of the matter is like me giving up five bucks is really not going to change my life but for that person it, it may hmm. um so that person like five bucks may get them a meal that day that they would not have had um and Obviously, like, yeah, I, obviously people abuse it. Uh, transition a little bit to your other part of your question. Like, obviously people abuse it. Um, but uh, a lot of times it's like, it's not for me to determine that. And it's not, you know, because it is the Lord's, ultimately, like, it's the Lord's money. Like, they, they have to answer to him for how they used it. Hmm. And so, um, but I've noticed particularly in Philadelphia, um, the increase of people panhandling. The increase of people who um, are staying on the side of the road ask for money. You know, um, I think of one gentleman that I pass frequently um, who, uh, and I wish I did a better job at this, but getting to know him or giving him giving him resources. He's like a veteran who has like one leg. On, he sits in a wheelchair and hmm. he asks for money. You know, like just uh, so much of like society has chewed up these people and spitting them out hmm. and by God's grace, like I'm not in that situation. And there's times last year where like, even our church, you're like, I don't know if like, we're going to make it. 
and God's been really gracious. Hmm. And so I just when realizing when I, when I understand like what God has done for me and how God's been really gracious, not just like, I mean, what he's done for me and Jesus is absolutely like, I can't ever repay him for that in any way, but I can't even repay him for like the fact that like, I didn't, I didn't lose my job hmm. during the pandemic. Yeah. My wife got a better job hmm. during the, during the pandemic, yeah. you know, like, and like, whereas like other people I know it hasn't happened. So, you know, it's tough. Like, trust me. And like so many of us like don't carry cash anymore, you know? Um, right. So what I've tried to do is like, if I have cash on me and somebody asked me, somebody asks like ver- verbally asks, Hey, do you have like some money you could spare? But I generally like do give it to them. Um, Cause they've asked mm-hmm. um, the person who sticks on the side of the road. Practically. I, I don't stop every time and give them something mm-hmm. um, or, you know, sits out in front of a store but if they ask, like, I want to honor the uh, fact that they've had, they've lost some dignity. Yeah. Like if I was in that situation, I would lose a lot of dignity yeah. and a lot of pride to ask somebody for money. Yeah. It's one thing to sit and like, you know, put, hold a sign or have a, a jar, a jar out or a can out or a hat out and just hope people throw something in. So another thing is actually like take that step and swallow your ego and, mm. Uh, ask for money. So yeah. what I've had to also do is just kind of put myself in their situation and realize that like not everybody's there because they've made bad decisions. And I think COVID has taught us that, you know, like some people just, other people have made those decisions for them Yeah, uh, where they've been fired or, or they've been let go or they've been furloughed. And um, it's not really, it's not really their fault. Um, and I had a, you know, my first pastor job, I was a youth pastor in Malvern, which is like one of the richest sections in the Philadelphia suburbs. Mm-hmm. And I had a pastor say to me that the lead pastor there, he said to me, um, Evan, we have to deal with people as they are right now. Mm-hmm. We can't like worry about what their past has been, how they got in this situation, but like mm-hmm. right now, where are they? Mm-hmm. And so that was really helpful. So in terms of like the practical, yeah, mm-hmm. like when somebody asked me, um, I don't go dive into like, Hey, how did you get in this situation? Are you going to use this money for drugs? Are you going to use it for alcohol? Um, in some sense, I mean, this, this, I'm saying this somewhat jokingly, but like if I was homeless, like I gotta be honest, like every once in a while I'd buy myself a beer, you know, like, like, sure. like it would actually like bring me great comfort every once in a while. Just like, yeah, like buy sure. a beer. Yeah. Um, so like, I can't like <coughs> blame them for that. Hmm. Uh, and so but when you spend a lot of time around homeless people, which um, the first church I helped plant, we, we did. We, we spent a lot of time with homeless people. You see that there's a number of reasons why they're there. And some are there because they've abused it. Um, some of there like are there because they've lost jobs and haven't been, they don't have the support systems many of us have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one gentleman, uh, who I, a homeless gentleman who I know, uh, who has since passed away, um, but he, he was there, you know, because his dad's dad walked out on him, you know, his dad walked out on, on this man and this mm-hmm. man walked out on his kids. And like, by God's yeah. grace, like I didn't have a situation like that, you know, and I, I can't expect like, he doesn't have a support system and he learned from his dad that it's okay to walk away from your family. Mm-hmm. So switching particularly to the practical, like Jesus ask, you know, lend and don't expect anything in return in return. 
Uh, Jesus is, you know, mostly like talking about enemies there when he talks about that. And so that's even more remarkable. Jesus says, like, you know, care for your enemies and don't expect anything back from them. What I generally do is if they ask, I give, uh, if I keep seeing the same person, like asking me, then we start like talking about, uh, we start putting some conditions on it. And this is, Tim Keller talks about this in one of his books, Ministries of Mercy. He mm-hmm. talks about, you know, like, first time somebody asks, like, be quick to give. You know, we talk about Liberty Northeast. We would love to be the church where, like, people in the neighborhood tell, say, like, we're suckers. Because, like, <laughs> you know, go to yeah, Liberty yeah. Northeast. If you need something, they'll give it to you. Like, yeah. they're suckers over there. Yeah. But the same person keeps, like, showing up and keeps, like, having the same problems. Then we want to, like, start working on some conditions. So uh, I know one gentleman who, you know, we had that situation with and we had to start being like okay like all right let's sit down let's map out a plan for you like how many jobs have you applied for uh why why like do you need inter like do you need internet access because you know some of these things like so many jobs now you do these interviews over zoom like what happens if you don't have internet access right, right. you know <laughs> like what are yeah. you, you going to do in that circumstance hmm. uh so many jobs are virtual what happens if you don't have internet access and like by god's grace i do and so we mapped out some things with him and, you know, like, let's look at your applications. Like, do you need interview practice? Um, but like, we'll help you initially, but like, let's start actually like building into your life, some rhythms, uh, some skills that we can help you with. And so, yeah, the first time they ask, I usually give, uh, subsequent times. I usually, um, try to like actually start having more conversations with them with, with some conditions, um, not for my sake, but really for their sake. Because it's not it's not good for me to just keep giving money to somebody uh, who uh, may be unwilling to make any changes that are necessary. Um, that would be unhelpful, and that would be unwise. Mm-hmm. I would say yeah. to answer your questions. So that's a, that's a long answer, but I, hopefully, I hit uh, your questions there. Yeah. Now, yeah, Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, and, yeah. I, I appreciate how you're stepping through that, Evan, for sure. I think it's that same book by Keller. We we talk about this with our deacons quite a bit, both from like how we do this as a church, but then hopefully our equipping people to do that in their own lives. Personally, he uses that phrase, um, mercy limits mercy. So, so I think often like people that with our mindset that are kind of more upwardly mobile in the socioeconomic kind of station of life, middle-class, upper middle-class kind of, kind of folks, they kind of more come at it and say, wisdom limits mercy. So like, Hey, sometimes I don't give because it's, it's unwise to give where I think where Keller's it's, it's a, it's a more nuanced and, and I think therefore more helpful and also the right posture is to say mercy limits mercy. So like err on the side of giving first um, and, you know, and then and then at some point mercy, that same posture of mercy and compassion for people says I can't actually give you what you want because I care about you for me to give something would actually be destructive. But it's still all coming through the posture and and, and, and approach and, and part um, yeah, heart, uh, motivation of, of mercy. Um, right. so I think that's a helpful, like that, that for me is the, the line that always kind of is in my head. Practically, it's a little easier at a church where like in our office here, we can keep like, um, gift cards to like the grocery store down the street and say, Hey, you come in great. You're going to get a gift card. And then, but, but we, and we usually tell people like, Hey, but if you, if you need more assistance, we would want to have like one of our deacons sit down with you just to talk through a little bit more of a, of a comprehensive approach to what it looks like to, to help you out in different ways. Yeah. Personally, where that can be tough is like the intersection, right? How do I, and I think this is good though. This is where it pushes us in, in the right way. You actually have to be thinking about this 
proactively either like to carry cash with you like like i don't care like, it's rare that, that i carry cash too like my, many of us now these <clears> days um or if you're concerned that like that's enabling people i've heard some other folks do creative things like carry gift cards mm -hmm. carry prepackaged non-perishable kind of food um carry stuff other things that they're they're still saying hey i'm i see you i'm i'm imparting dignity to you um by, by not just kind of ignoring you, I'm actually going to interact with you on this. You know, if, if convictionally you're just so you're, you can't give money, there are other ways to still be merciful and compassionate, but it requires more advanced preparation, which I think in some ways is like what God would desire of us anyway, that we're mm -hmm. actually giving thought and heart and attention to, to those who would be given no heart and consideration to mm -hmm. by society at, at large. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, yeah, so. and thinking, and thinking creatively too, um, and like, so like, yeah, like money's an easy one. Like, we can all, like, most of us could just like throw money at things, um, you know. But there's been times where you know, uh, I remember one time I was driving with my brother, and um, we saw a guy standing out in the cold, and he like, you know, it was snowing, it was wet. He had like no no coat, no gloves, no hat, no blanket. And, uh, you know, like the ancient Christians used to say, like, if you have two coats, you're taking one from somebody else, hmm. you know? And, and I remember my brother being like, dude, like, I don't like, I have multiple coats. Like, let me just, let's just stop. I'm going to give him my coat. Like, and I like, I had extra gloves in the car. Like, dude, take these gloves, you hmm. know, and we had blankets, you know, like we used for picnics, you know, like we go places, yeah. you know, like, like I can go, like I get free blankets, like you know, like at fairs and carnivals, you know, like and you sign up for a credit card, they give you a blanket like <laughs> at the right. Philly at the Phillies game. And yeah. so like yeah. I had some of those, you know, so like here, dude, like take this and like just being creative. But you don't have to like go out of your way. You know, you do need to stop sometimes. And then sometimes you like practically like give people what they ask for too. Mm -hmm. So like if yeah. somebody's like, Hey man, uh could you give me some cash so I could buy some food? Um, I've said like, Hey man, I don't have any cash, but could I take you over here? We can buy you some food. Yeah. Like with mm -hmm. my credit card yeah, or my debit good. card or like, Hey man, like, could you, you know, give me some money for the bus? Like, dude, I'm sorry. I don't have any, but, um, you know, like, uh, you know, like maybe if you're a student and you have tokens or, you know, you have a pass, you know, like, Hey, I'll wait for the bus for you and I'll swipe my card so you can have a ride, you know, like that type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you just got to be creative. And, and I think, yeah, like, giving people what they ask for can mm. also, like, um, might settle some of those okay. concerns, you, you know, like, and so, uh, but just be aware, like, I have my friend Gary, um, who, like, does a lot of work with homeless, you know, like, we want to make sure we're still, like, remembering, like, that we all are creating the image of God and we all have dignity and value and worth. And even, like, the homeless, even the poor, have that too people yeah. who have less than us yeah and so like if you have a jacket with like oh, a major hole in it and you wouldn't wear it like don't give that to the homeless guy mm, sure you know like yeah. you know like like that's like that's like treating him as less than like treat him like a brother mm. treat him as like somebody the lord loves and has dignity value and worth and so like if you you know like uh you know like the dude doesn't want mcdonald's like that's okay like mm. you know but if there's only mcdonald's there and that's that bends the brakes a little bit too so mm. uh, i think it's you know treating people treating people as you would want to be treated is also really important and i do have friends that like have brought in homeless people into their homes mm -hmm. you know and like yeah. 
So God may be calling some people to do that, but I don't think God, just like the rich young ruler, like God doesn't call everybody to sell everything, give it to the poor. Like God doesn't always call everybody to like bring somebody into their home. Mm. Uh, but be sensitive to the spirit and what the spirit's asking you to do in the moment, I think is, is really, is really important. Yeah. Um, and so um, the spirit's asking you to give money, give money, uh, give a coat, give whatever it might be. I think just be sensitive to what the spirit's asking you to do, because I think in that moment, then you're like, you're bordering being disobedient. You know, if you like ignore the spirit prompt to mm. help that person. Mm. Yeah, it's good. It's well said. It's good. Man. Right, let's jump to the next question. The other one that came in. Good example, Evan, of questions that come in, not entirely related to the sermon, but kind of they prompt other thoughts. And so we always invite people to send in really any question that they would have as they listen to our sermon. So um, this one um in the sermon, you, Evan, mentioned the Apostles' Creed in the part where Jesus dies, descends to the dead, and three days later rises again. Some, some versions of the Creed say that he descended to hell. Um, in the sermon, Evan said that Jesus died and sat at the right hand of the Father before rising again. I'm a little confused. Where was Jesus for those three days? Right? Ultimately, like, where was Jesus after the cross? Where before the res- was Jesus? This where is the, in yes. the world? Okay. It's, it's, it's almost it's like, like it's Carmen almost San like Carmen San Diego, yeah. but much more important. Much more ancient. Yeah. <laughs> much more <laughs> ancient. Much more ancient. That's true. Yeah. yeah we, so I generally joke around like when people ask me about this, because uh, you know, like I think in the evangelical world. Um, we don't have that built-in tradition, hmm. uh, and much of the evangelicalism comes out of you know there's two types of reformation: there's the radical reformation and the magisterial reformation. I think most of us come out of the radical reformation, hmm. like kind of more Anabaptist. You know, uh, everything the Catholic Church did and believed was absolutely wrong. We got to figure it out ourselves and got to rebuild. Um, and I generally, you know, jokingly refer to that as like Romophobia. Nice. You're like you're so afraid of being <laughs> Catholic that you you run from these things, and that's happened. That there's definitely that part underlying fear in the evangelical world. And there's a magisterial reformation, which is you know your um, kind of Luther's and Calvin's being like, uh, there's a lot of good stuff here, but we need to reform it. We mm-hmm. got like we, we right. need to get back to some of the basics here. We've gone a little too far away from scripture. So were you, you going to say something, Matt? Well, I was going to say, as an Eagles fan, you're used to Romo, like Tony Romo phobia. Now you're talking about right. Roma phobia. So you've got a little, you got Romo phobia, Roma phobia. Yeah, lots of phobias over there in Philadelphia. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> Eagles fans were not particularly fearful of Tony Romo. He actually helped us get in some playoffs. He kind of did. Yeah, yeah that's we, right. We yeah. like, uh, like yeah, Tony. Yeah. So, sorry, total, total tangent, but I just it sounded too similar to, yeah. Matt, yeah. Matt we have yeah. a scorecard for Matt where we keep track of his puns. So we just put one, put one up on the board. <laughs> I got it. For, got it for the day. There it is. I'm gonna head home now. One, no, yeah, one, one per day. We don't. We'd be so lucky. One, one per day. Okay. Right. <laughs> See, one, one for the hour. Every hour is a pun. Yeah. So, I, so yeah. Back to the, the question. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. You can get me talking about the Eagles for a long time. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Magisterial Reformation, not the Radical Reformation. Good yeah. tradition. Yeah. So we talked. So. You know, like I generally ask my evangelical friends to be more radical information, but like, well, where was Jesus on Saturday? Yeah. You know, like, where was he? Um, And so I think the creeds help us understand that. Mm. So um, I think Michael Emerson's book is really good on this. Uh, Michael Emerson's evangelical, uh, and he writes a book called He Descended to the Dead. Hmm. It's a very good book. It's very, it can be theologically heavy, but it goes through the history, it goes through biblical interpretation. Um, it critiques, you know, like the Orthodox view, uh, like the Roman Catholic view. Um, I think it, he may even like critique Calvin's view. 
like and try to like try to be the most biblical it can be but understanding like tradition does help us understand this which is which is important mm-hmm. so um yeah so so michael emerson and, and i think he's absolutely right is that um jesus died he descended to the dead uh, i think it's better for us in 21st century america to refer to it as the place of the dead rather than hell because we generally think of hell as like you know uh you know satan with you know uh with a tail and horns and a pitchfork mm-hmm. and like you know poking the backs of the eyes of everyone and, and fire and, and major like pain and torture and anguish and mm-hmm. then there's heaven you know and we kind of mm-hmm. see it as like these two separate things and um i think michael emerson does a better job with that and so you know his understanding is like it's better referred to as the place of the dead because it gives us an understanding like where everybody goes and and as i said yesterday hades or sheol can refer to like the general place of the dead or it can be referred to like a specific section of the dead mm-hmm. and so what michael emerson says is like when jesus dies he descends to the dead he descends to like the place of the dead the, mm-hmm. the general place but he descends like to paradise because jesus says to the man uh on the the, the thief on the cross right that today you'll be with me in paradise so jesus mm-hmm. descends to paradise which is the abraham was on abraham's side and what he does at that point is he proclaims victory uh right so it becomes not it doesn't become part of his uh his suffering he goes to hell he suffers but he goes to hell it's part of becomes the beginning of his victory mm-hmm. uh he so he proclaims his victory over sin and death and the devil and so like in revelation it talks about like jesus takes the keys uh of hades and death uh, uh peter in Acts chapter two uh talks about jesus that that god didn't leave him in sheol uh, that he yeah. actually you know, brought him out of Sheol. So Jesus descends to the dead. There's other passages, you know, they're maybe a little more tricky, like this passage in Ephesians or First Peter, a little more tricky. But those seem to be the clearest one that he goes mm-hmm. somewhere after he dies to paradise is probably is the best way since he says it in Luke that he's going to go to paradise. And he proclaims victory over sin, death, and devil in that moment. And he starts proclaiming his victory. And so uh, at that point, um not entirely sure what he does but he then is is resurrected so mm-hmm. it seems that he you know like um it's tough to determine like is is god in paradise uh or is god in heaven or you know is heaven and paradise the same <laughs> thing those things kind of can be tough to determine and scripture generally doesn't seem very interested in like making that crystal clear yeah it's you know as nt Wright will say like the bible is more less concerned about life after death and more concerned about life after life after death more interested in like the new new heavens the new earth when jesus returns the resurrection of the saints resurrect to glory to the resurrection of wicked to mm-hmm. condemnation and damnation and uh, that generally seems to be the concern so if you were to ask me where jesus on saturday i would say he's in paradise proclaiming victory to uh the dead and to uh so for the saints jesus presence is in is in paradise and to the righteous dead is just amazing it's this wonderful experience like jesus will be for many of us who put our faith and trust for all of us who put our faith and trust in jesus will be this his presence is 
amazing. It's beautiful. It's everything we could ever imagine and more. Hmm. But to those who the unrighteous dead, to those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus, uh, it will be torturous hmm. um, to see his victory and hear of his victory and not be able to, to embrace it. Uh, and so I think that's, Generally, what I would say is like in that moment, you know, he's proclaiming to, you know, Abraham, people have had faith, the Old Testament saints, they they see Jesus, they hear the victory that God has had through Jesus, and they're, they're worshiping, they're, they're glorifying God, as I imagine they would, and those who have not um, hear the victory and, and unfortunately uh, can't embrace it at that yeah. moment. Yeah, it's the aroma of death to them, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I was trying to draw yesterday, too, with Rich Man Lazarus. Like, you know, Jesus tells this story. If there is anything about the afterlife, it does remind us, like, even in the afterlife, he doubles down. Like, Lazarus, uh, the rich man doubles down. Yeah. He's, he's still bossing Lazarus around. He never asked for forgiveness. Like, I would hope that somebody in that moment would be like, mm-hmm. I, I blew it. Like, what am I doing? But the fact of the matter is, like, that's how, like, wicked our hearts are is that we like even even after death like in the place of the dead you would probably double down on the things that you um, gave your life over to which is just sad it's really sad and scary yeah yeah is it thanks be to god that jesus rose from the dead that's right that's good man it's good word yeah what were you gonna say steve no i'll skip it okay good matt any thoughts to add no i think that's great Yeah, yeah i think that's um that maybe the one piece is sometimes when people would refer to Jesus descending into hell, there's that moment of, of God forsaking Jesus, the father forsaking the son on the cross. Why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Um, but then Jesus says it's finished. So the idea that he would then go and be like tortured by Satan for, 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 for these days and like that, you have to rule out some things just based on what Jesus himself says from right. the cross and those seven sayings. Right. The idea of like right, him, being, that, yeah. him being forsaken by the father, if, if there was a moment that he experienced hell, that that would be the moment. That would be the right. where, where he's actually that. I mean, that is, you know, that is the definition of hell in one sense is to be forsaken by the father, um, to not be embraced by his loving presence and, and be turned away from from that. So but then I think that's where the 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 other views that exist out there go beyond what scripture teaches when they say he spent the three days in hell. Cause he, he does say like you pointed out to the thief on the right today, you will be with me in paradise. So there's mm. like an immediacy of his death leading him to that place of paradise and not to the place of torment. Um, so there's, yeah, I think, I think when you look at the the whole of the biblical narrative and specifically when Jesus is saying, it's like, okay, if you want to say Jesus experienced hell, it's on the cross in that moment of, they call it the moment of dereliction. I'm, I'm trying to think of the the word now theologically, but the, the forsaking of the from the father that that moment is where he would have experienced hell maybe the way we typically think of hell um in our mindset yeah i think that um yeah i mean if you want to do more reading on hell i think that like um francis chan and preston sprinkle did a book called erasing hell yeah. i thought that was yeah, yeah. that was really helpful and um that was kind of written at the time like rob bell was kind of doing his thing yeah. And so, but I, I thought that was a really helpful book. We did a good job with like scholarship and stuff in that book. And, but it's actually like a really good read on like a lay person level, mm-hmm. uh, which I always appreciate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it just help, It's more helpful. Um, but the Michael, Michael Emerson book deals with the, the main question there of like kind of what happens to Jesus after he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think that's, it's a, it's a valuable read and I think it's an important one because I think it, it is important for us to know like that Jesus does experience death. Like 
everyone has or, or everyone will. Um, yeah. But um, the idea that he's tortured in hell for <clears throat> those days um, is a stretch beyond, I think, what Jesus himself has said mm-hmm. um, and what scripture says. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Well, Evan, thanks for thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Uh, you know, we wrap up our time together. Grateful that you were on site with us yesterday to preach. Grateful that you're virtually with us today on the B-Side podcast. Just grateful for you being a partner and friend of ours in the Liberty Communion and the way that you're serving in in your role with Liberty Northeast and leading them. Uh, so we're grateful for you and glad that we can spend some time here together. And uh, Matt, any final words from you? You want to jump in? No, just that you can repay the favor, man. We'll have a resident starting in like a week. And True we can, story. You can have him come preach on like hell and generosity and money at like Liberty Northeast. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> you can pass along my words to you <clears throat> five years or six years ago to, to him now and uh, let him yeah, run right. with it. <laughs> hey, yeah, Matt did this to me. So, uh, it's yeah, a rite, it's a rite of passage. Yeah. yeah, it's a rite, it's a rite of, passage. of passage. That's it. Yeah, but thanks, guys. Um, yeah, love you guys. Love Liberty Harrisburg. Um, many ways you guys are benchmark for us at Liberty Northeast and so really appreciate you guys and how you've helped us out and um, love everybody there and everybody's always so encouraging every time I come and so um, yeah those of you who are listening thank you so much as well for just welcoming me and my family yesterday and yeah love it. love you guys yeah God bless love you too man before yeah. talk yeah. to you soon thanks yeah. thanks everyone for listening on the podcast this week we'll see you next week for worship we'll continue our series in the rhythms of grace enjoy the week everyone take care everybody bye Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org.